welcome to On The Couch. My name is Tracy Rogers. We are at Wholeness and Wellness Counseling Services this afternoon, and we are talking with Onika Henry, who is a sexologist. So before we get into today's topic, let me just ask Onika mm -hmm. to share with us what exactly is a sexologist? So the word sexologist is a broad, it's, it's what I would call an umbrella term that refers to anyone who studies human sexual behavior or the field of human sexual behavior. And so under sexology, you would have those who focus on educators, educating, sorry, so sex educators. There are those who would focus on coaching and counseling. There are those who would focus on sex therapy, and then there are those who would be researchers. So all of us would be considered sexologists, but we would focus on different um, ways of engaging with the information. So we were talking about why someone will come to see a sexologist. What will lead to difficulties with intimacy and sexuality? And you were pointing out that you use a model that says that issues can be mental, mm -hmm. body-related, emotional, or spiritual. Correct. So for today's conversation, we want to talk about what are some of the emotional issues that may lead someone to have difficulties with sexuality and sexual expression, mm -hmm. and they might need to come and see a sexologist. All right, so one of the more common issues would be um, issues that come out of trauma. So if somebody would have been abused um, or if they have been violated, then emotional issues coming out of that would prevent a person from being trusting of a partner, from being open, um, from being comfortable with their sexuality. Um, if there is shame or fear or guilt around sexuality and that may not have to be coming from a traumatic experience it simply may be messages it would have gotten from home or from society that sex isn't anything that's wonderful and normal and so when it comes to thinking about sharing themselves with somebody in that way they are not entirely letting themselves be vulnerable and open to bonding because there's nothing that's exciting or lovable about this it's shameful it's yeah. fearful it i feel guilty Especially if it's done outside of marriage, if the person comes from a religious background, right? So, um. so I mean, sexual relationships, it calls for a lot of vulnerability. Yes. And vulnerability is putting yourself out there, being open, being seen, mm -hmm. um, which in itself could be a traumatic experience. Because you're being seen with all your flaws, or things that you consider to be flaws, and your partner may not see it that way, um, but because you would have been... Um, receiving certain kinds of messages, whether it's from home or media, about what your body is supposed to look like, about what sex is supposed to be. You don't want to open up yourself to um, being ridiculed, perhaps. You think somebody's going to tease you about, you know, about your body. Or, you know, it can go so many ways. So I come to see a sexologist. How do I even begin to start working on that problem? Do I come with my partner? Do I come on my own? Mm -hmm. uh, so, you can come either way, you can come by yourself, because a lot of times when you begin working on your personal issues, then the way you relate to a partner begins to change, and that can change the dynamics of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So I often tell people, even if you are coupled, even if you are with a partner, and your partner is not um, too excited or too uh, motivated to come, you come and you start the process. And your partner will begin to see the changes in you and how you, um, you've changed an attitude about sex, um, you're becoming more open to exploring, to asking questions, to communicating, and that begins to impact or have an influence on your partner. And that could change your relationship dynamic, and that in and of itself may, may be all that is needed um, to, to move the relationship forward and to make it better and a healthier space for you to be. And you could also come together as, as partners, and both of you work on your issues separately, and then sometimes we have sessions together, 
So it can go either way. So we can go either way and there is a way to work to work through it. Yes. It's so funny because as therapists we see people who come to us and we can see that the issues are tied up in sexuality and we see how important intimacy is to relating and how that gets in the way of people's growth and development. So it's good to know that there's a specialist that can deal with it. So I want to do some more talking on this topic. So maybe we'll do another session where we talk a little bit more about working through some of um, working through sessions when we're trying to get better. Sure. So thank you so much, Anika. Thank you this for having me. Oh, anytime, anyhow. <laughs> this is On the Couch. My name is Tracy Rogers. This is Whole and Wellness Counseling. Thanks for joining us. to Wholeness and Wellness on the Couch series. My name is Tracy Rogers, and today we're having another conversation with sexologist Onika Henry. And so today we're talking about sexuality and intimacy in particular. Mm -hmm. um, so intimacy is this really, like what is intimacy? Intimacy is this, it could be this broad too, we don't know what it refers to. Um, so anything that has to do with bonding with someone, which means we're looking at liking someone, we're looking at loving someone, we're looking at being vulnerable, and we're looking at risk-taking. All of those are covered under intimacy, we're talking about intimacy and sexuality. So intimacy doesn't always refer to sexual intimacy because there are many types of intimacy. Exactly. So exactly. my friend Alex Vega, who's also a sexologist, he also talks about this myriad <laughs> types of, of intimacy, that is intimacy with food, is mm -hmm. intimacy touching that so sometimes people think intimacy and they think automatically sex right but there's so many things that contribute to that exactly and what I want to point out is that uh, as people get older and there is less sex because maybe you have some kind of disability uh, maybe it's something that they can no longer actively engage in because you know the body isn't quite able um, those persons can still be very intimate um, and they may not be I hope I can say this on camera penetrative sex um, but there may be lots of touching because skin hunger is also an aspect of skin sexuality. Let's skin talk hunger. about what is skin hunger. So the need to be held, to yeah. be touched, to be hugged, um, which is actually um, linked to our biology, to our immune system. Yeah. Yeah. So hugs are important. I, I heard somewhere that it should at least be 20 seconds at least for it to be really effective. <laughs> So hugs for 20 seconds and more, but yes, skin hunger is a thing and it is part of that circle of sexuality where we look at different aspects of sexual being. You know, it makes us much sense to see that when we talk about, we know about physiological psychology, that your brain is responsible, there are parts of your brain responsible for emotion, for bonding, for making sense. It's not just a thinking machine. Right. There are all of these elements that go into it. So you say that and it just kind of rings up, rings up that for me, mm -hmm. that there's so many things that go into that. I want to talk about intimacy and gender. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, and when we talk about gender, we're talking about the social aspects of being male or female. Um, and so gender varies among people in terms of gender, what, how people identify, how people express themselves along the continuum of masculine and feminine differs. Um, I think a lot of us learn that intimacy, how we learn about intimacy is in line with our thoughts about gender. Yes. So what have you, what have, let's talk about what are some of the things that come up. So right. we don't expect men to be involved in a certain type of intimacy, <laughs> Correct. a certain type of man. 
right. woman. Right. And how can all of those um, labels be harmful all right. to sexual expression? Uh, so we don't often teach our, our boys to be expressive when it comes to emotions. Um, and so you find that when he is in a relationship, particularly if he's in a relationship with um, a woman, female, and she is accustomed to being allowed to cry, um, obviously how she feels, she in turn has no real clue of how he really feels because he doesn't even know how to express it. He hasn't been allowed or he's been taught. You suppress that. Uh, so part of the emotion that we deal with or have to learn to manage when somebody comes to me or couples come to me to deal with sexual issues that, that falls under emotion, it involves being able to express your emotion and learning how not to suppress what you really feel but how also to effectively communicate what, what you feel. And for men, sometimes it takes a lot of um, digging. I actually have a list of words that I give um, particularly the men who come into my practice so they can begin to input and identify exactly what am I feeling. Because sometimes they don't even know because they haven't taken the time to sit down and um, analyze themselves to be self-aware when it comes to emotions. Because the automatic thing is you don't cry, um, you're always in charge. Um, so being allowed to understand your emotions, understand how to express them safely, including emotions like anger or fear or guilt. Um, men aren't usually taught, well, how can I express that without harming someone else? Yeah. There, there are healthy ways to express displeasure or disappointment. Um, whereas women, uh, we allow that space to figure out well, how was the best way to so express how I feel. There are these physiological needs, these biological needs, mm -hmm. yeah, the skin hunger, mm -hmm. but it's mediated by how we're taught. Yes, those okay. things should be expressed. So we're seeing the role models that we have in front of us. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm a single parent and I have boys. Um, one of the things I deliberately did, and it was a deliberate and conscious decision, uh, was to hug them a lot and to say, I love you a lot. Um, and now they, they give that back to me and I see that they give it to each other. So even though they are boys, and what's, what would be considered in our society is very masculine, manly, one is a rasta man, and you know, they kind of, you know, um, they are very comfortable, even in front of their friends, to hug each other and, and the older one likes to kiss the younger one on his cheek, you know, I love you, you know, and, and their friends would look okay, that's different. <laughs> so what, and it's, I, I'm glad that you're, you're bringing that in, and so maybe this is some of our takeaway messages as we're leaving, mm -hmm. that we can actually prevent a lot of adult issues mm -hmm. by how we teach our boys and girls to express themselves and their implications for how we learn to express ourselves yes. with how we can express intimacy yes, yeah, and how we very can important meet our biological needs and work through the cultural stuff. Thank you so much, Anika. So we're talking with Anika Henry, who is a Tobago-based sexologist, but does see individuals and couples in Trinidad on an appointment basis and what we will do is leave that information below this video so if you want to follow up with Anika and learn um, some more about how you can probably get in touch with her um, we can you can be free to do that so thank you. just give us your number as we're closing off so you can get me at 381-3049 and that's on whatsapp so you can also whatsapp me great and um, email as well ohenrybusiness at gmail.com so the information is here. Thank you so much, Anika. You're welcome, Sandra Tracy. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the couch.